0: Well, good morning. If we have never met before, like James said, my name is Tony Boscarino, and I'm one of the pastors here. And today we are continuing a series looking at the church in Corinth from the book of 1 Corinthians. Now we entitled this series, Messy Masterpiece. Masterpiece, because this is God's chosen church. He loves this church. He died for this church. He wants to form and transform this church but also messy, because as we've seen, this church is completely doing things outside of God's will for them. So if you've walked with us through this series, we've seen that there is jealousy that is going on within the church. There is petty fighting. People are literally suing each other within the same body of believers. There's sexual immorality. And if you're here a couple weeks ago, people are actually getting drunk during communion. So we got problems going on in this church. And today we are going to look at another issue facing the church. Specifically, we are going to look at how the church was experiencing the gifts of speaking in tongues and prophecy. So that's what we're talking about today. So needless to say, you decided to come on a very interesting topic. And it's interesting for a couple of reasons. One, when we talk about tongues and prophecy we are talking about the supernatural, miraculous work of God working in and through his people. It's also interesting because through the generations, there have been many brilliant theologians who have ended up on different sides of this issue. It, what is this gift all about? These gifts, are they, are they active for today or not? So based on your experience with church, You may have heard that the gifts of speaking in tongues and prophecy and healing, that all those things were just for the Bible times, that they are not for today. And if that is you, you you're welcome to be here. But maybe you came from more of a charismatic church where you learned a lot about these gifts and you experienced a lot of these things. If that is you, I'm glad that you're here. Maybe when I said speaking in tongues, you have literally no idea what the heck I'm talking about. If that's you, I'm glad you're here too. Or maybe you're in this fourth group that's like, I know it's in the Bible. I do believe God can do anything, but I really don't know how this works. I'm also glad you're here because if you fit in any of those camps or a combination of any of those, you're welcome to be at Riverview. Riverview is part of a denomination called the Evangelical Free Church of America. And when you look at our statement of faith and look at what it says about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it simply says this. It says that the Holy Spirit... Indwells, illuminates, guides, equips, and empowers believers for Christ like living and service. And so there's a lot of room in there. And actually, the Evangelical Free Church take no, takes no direct stance on if these gifts are for today or not. But if you hunt around on the website, you'll find this statement that says We have no stance, but within our denomination, we have churches that are across the spectrum. So there are evangelical free churches that are cessationist in thinking, and that is a belief that all these gifts, tongues, prophecy, healing, those have ceased and are not available today. But also in the evangelical free church, you have churches that say no. like Those gifts are definitely available today and should be experienced within the body. So wherever you sit, you literally are welcome to be here today. And because this is such an interesting topic and people have different views we really just need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak through us through this passage. So would you just pray with me as we, as we dive in? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that we are a church that allows your word to guide us. And at the same time, Lord, I pray that we are a church that is open to your spirit. And whatever you want to do in and through us, God, we want to experience you, go whole after you, and be completely grounded in your word. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to do that at Riverview. And Lord, I know that if it's just my words speaking here, no one's heart is going to be touched or transformed. So in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, just fill me freshly now in this moment. Let my words be yours and do what only you can do in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we dive into the passage, I wanted to tell you where I personally stand with gifts of tongues and prophecy. So I grew up in a Christian home, but it wasn't until college where I truly surrendered to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And um, I, you know, received him, I was baptized, and I just got hungry for God. I remember the campus pastor uh, at the church, he, he brought out these two verses and just says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you taste and see that the Lord is good. And I took both of those verses as a challenge to say, I want to go after God with all that I have. I want to know him. So I got a Bible, bought my own Bible, started devouring it, reading so much. There were times in my economics class where I kind of had my Bible underneath here and I was trying to read it, which, you know, maybe didn't turn out the best for the economics class. But I was so hungry, I wanted to know. And I was praying on my own and just, you know, connecting with God. And I was worshiping, with him, worshiping him on my own, even outside of church and singing to him. And I would go to these prayer meetings led by this incredibly beautiful woman That turned out to be my wife, Jess. And so that was good. But then also I was going to these other churches and just like, I just want to learn. God, whatever you have, I want to know. I want to know who you are. And so at this time I was in my apartment all by myself. Uh, I was in my bedroom and I just had this like burden on my heart that I should, I should pray. And so then I was praying for everything I could think of. I was praying for my mom, my dad, my sister, um, extended family, just praying that God would have his way in all of our lives, that his will would be done. And I kind of got to this place where I'm like, I don't know what else I should be praying for. But I still felt so strongly on my heart that I needed to be praying. And so I'd been reading a lot of scripture. I'd read about the gift of tongues. I had read about the Holy Spirit interceding for us. And so at this moment, I'm like, God, I don't know what else to pray. Is this what, is this what tongues is? I don't know. So what I did is I closed my eyes, opened up my mouth, And I just kind of made a sound, like, uh, it just, just started something. And then the only way I can describe this to you is that it was like a magician pulling scarves, like, out of his sleeve. I literally felt like God was pulling, like, words out of me, pulling this language out of me, but more like I felt like it was my heart that was praying, and the words just pushed it up there. And uh, this went on for like maybe a minute or two because I was totally in control of everything that was happening. Totally in control. Uh, But I started getting freaked out like, oh no, what am I doing? So then I just shut my mouth and I was was done with that. Um, I was starting to think, maybe Tony, you're getting a little bit too into this Christianity thing. (laughs) Maybe you're going a little bit crazy. So I didn't do anything with it. Then a few weeks later, I was in this Bible study That was led by a Nigerian pastor. His name was Pastor Francis. And the love of Jesus just oozed out of this man. He taught me so much um, from the Bible. But at the end of the Bible study, he says, Let's just worship and pray a little bit. So, you know, there's music and people are praying. And he comes up to me and he puts his hand on my chest, puts his hand on my shoulder. And he says, You know, Tony, Just pray in the name of Jesus that God just freshly fills you with himself and that you, you know, experience everything that God has for you. And that was great because I've been praying that prayer on my own. Like, God, I just want all of you and, like, anything that's me, get that out of my life because I want you and whatever you have for my life, whatever that looks like, I just want that.
1: And so then, you know, people
0: are praying, doing their own thing, and I start to feel this, like, you know, this kind of burden in my chest again. And he's like, it don't, you know, pray whatever is on your heart. And uh, so I wasn't, like, speaking to anybody else, but I was just kind of praying, and I opened my mouth, and then again, this, these words came out, and immediately, the next thought I had, I stopped, because I'm like, okay, you literally are crazy now, like, you're, you're nuts, um, you're hanging out with crazy people, you're doing this in front of people, like, what is going on with you, this is, this is weird, and in the next moment, I could just describe it to you like this, I have my eyes closed, and I saw these music notes, Just kind of like going up into heaven. And I felt like God was speaking to me in that moment, saying, Tony, if you sit down at the piano and you look at the music and you don't know how to read it, it makes no sense to you. And I felt like in that moment, God was saying that the words that are coming out of your mouth are like music notes. It doesn't make any sense to you, but I know how to play that instrument. And, um, that was a really personal thing. I've actually never really shared this story ever in 12 years of working here. So I only told the staff just a couple days ago because it's a personal thing to me. But in that, in that time, I felt like God was saying, the words don't matter. Don't get hung up on the words. It's your heart that is praying. And so I share that story just to say that I do believe that God is able to do incredible, powerful things. But I also want to say that that is just my experience and I want us to base our life on what the Word of God says. And so we are going to dive into the Word. And we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, so you can turn there. But as you are turning there, I want to point out where this chapter falls in relation to the two before it, because it's really important. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is talking about gifts, and he just kind of you know, brushes over this idea of speaking in tongues. What his main focus is to say that we all have gifts, we all have different gifts, not everybody has the same gift, Some people, um, you know, are an eye, a foot, whatever, an ear, but we all need each other. Different gifts, but we need each other. And so then he moves into chapter 13, and he says, if you're different and you need need each other, we need to figure out how to love each other, because that's the only way this is going to work. So then he breaks down love, and he talks about what love is. And so he set it up. We're all different. We need each other. We need to figure out how to love each other. And he uses that as his platform to jump into chapter 14 which is where we're going to be today. So, chapter 14, verse 1. He says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So, right away, we see the whole point of what this chapter is all about is pursue love. The goal of everything that Paul is going to say after is hinges upon this. It's all about love. Now, Paul was writing in Greek, and in Greek, there's multiple words for love. Specifically here, Paul uses the word agape, which means God's self-sacrificial love. It's the kind of love that sent Jesus to the cross for us, the kind of love that is willing to lay one's life down for others. First priority, pursue a life in which you follow Jesus' example, that it's not about you, that you are laying your life down for others. That is the goal for this whole chapter. Then he tells them to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, or your translation may say gifts of the Spirit. So he's saying like passionately pursue them, but there's an order to this. First, it's love. It's the idea that if your goal is to love people to your utmost ability and you want to love God with all you can, then seek after everything the Holy Spirit could give you so that you could love with the greatest ability because that is what this is all about. And he says, what I want you to really do is focus on prophecy. So he starts this compare and contrasting between tongues and prophecy. So what do we mean when we say prophecy anyway? I think that too many of us get caught up on prophecy as this grand big thing like we read about in the Old Testament where, you know, someone's like, thus saith the Lord, and it's about this impending doom that is coming. What I want us to do today is I want to think about prophecy differently. When I say prophecy, what I want you to think is, Saying what God has to say in the moment. It's like being God's mouthpiece. Because unfortunately, the way that we often think about prophecy, I feel like it, it leads us towards missing when it actually happens in the body. So, I think that it actually happens much more than we think. For example, James, our youth pastor, when he is you know, baptizing certain, certain kids through the years, it's like he is just speaking life in truth over them. He is calling out who God created them to be and just pouring out God's truth. When he has done that, there's been certain times where it's just like, in my heart, it's just like, yes, that feels so right. He is being God's mouthpiece at that moment, speaking God's truth through the encouragement of someone else for the building up of the body. Or maybe another example. Maybe it's like someone says to you, hey, I've been praying for you a lot. And when I pray, I just keep coming back to this verse. I get this verse over and over and over again. And they say, why don't you read it? I feel like in that moment, that could be more like prophecy, being God's mouthpiece, because he's telling the church to grow in this gift so that you can build others up. And basically, Jesus says that my sheep will hear my voice. So we need to grow in the ability to hear what God is saying and then share that with others so that they could be encouraged. Or have you ever had it where someone just says something to you and for whatever reason, it just hits you so different in the heart about God or who you are or the promises of God, and you're like, yes, it's like the Holy Spirit inside of you is saying, yes, you need to listen to that. Have you ever had that? I feel like those are moments of prophecy. I've had this happen to me a lot of times, and maybe you have too, where people are speaking basically um, by God to you. And one more thing I want to say about prophecy is I get really like weary when people say, you know, God wants me to tell you that. That is a little bit like, I don't know. So what I would prefer is just like the humility. Hey, I'm praying for you. Um, As I'm praying for you, I kind of feel like this. Maybe why why don't you pray about it and maybe ask some other people who are walking with Jesus that know you really well and just see if that also is confirmed within their heart too. Really what this is, it's about people pressing into Jesus being deep inside his word and just trying to listen to what he says so that other people can be built up. And that's what Paul is talking about as far as growing within the body. I think that there are people that definitely, you know, maybe use that gift better than others, but I think it's possible for all of us. Verse two, that was kind of a lot of lead up. Verse two, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. And this is essentially what I would relate my experience to. I just felt in my heart like I was speaking to God. Didn't feel like I was supposed to be speaking to anyone else. And he goes on. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Here again is why in the church setting, the gift of prophecy would, would be so much more helpful. Because when people are being God's mouthpiece, it will bless others, encourage them, and build them up. Verse five, or excuse me, verse four. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So Paul's main focus here is that the church would be built up. And when people are speaking in tongues, it's like they're speaking to God and it's building themselves up, But not others. And so, this is one of the reasons people say that's why no one should ever speak in tongues, because how could you ever be so selfish to want to build yourself up? My response to that is I feel like God gives us all lots of different gifts that also build ourselves up. So, example simple I play guitar and sing, I can lead you all in worship but when I'm by myself in playing worship to the Lord, I am being built up with a gift he's given me. We can all, you know, read the scripture and we can convey that to others. And sometimes in in my life group, when I'm um, talking about God's truth, it's like I'm being more built up than everybody else, I feel like, because I'm hearing myself declare the truth. And so it's not bad to build yourself up with the gifts God has given you, but here is the important distinction. When gathered with other believers, the greater good is to focus on what is going to build others up. So on your own, yeah, build yourself up in what God is doing in your life. But when you're in the church, pursue gifts that are going to bless others. Again, he shows the values of, a value of tongues. He says, I want, I want all of you to speak in tongues. But again, the greater blessing is that you grow in prophecy. You know, obviously, unless there's tongues and someone can interpret it, because then people would know what's going on. Verse 6, now brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If, uh, If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will be ready for battle? Essentially what he's saying is what you do in front of others must be able to be understood so that they could join in with you. And when he's talking about the distinct notes, it reminded me of my grandpa. So my grandpa was quite a harmonica player back in the day. He was in a couple different harmonica bands. That is a thing, if you didn't know that. And he would uh, travel around during World War II and actually play for the troops. So when I started playing the guitar, my grandpa really wanted to play music with me. And sometimes it went well, and sometimes it went horrible. The times it went horrible was because of this. My grandpa would hum this tune of a song that was written probably... 40 to 50 years before I was born and he would be like lee dee 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 and then he would start playing it on a harmonica and be like hey don't come on play with me and I was like I don't know this song like I can't join you I don't know what you're doing or saying and it wasn't allowing me to be a part cuz I didn't I didn't get it right and he, and here Paul also talks about the bugle so if you imagine there's two armies that are going to face off and you've got the bugle player and he's like <laughs> and <laughs> People are like, am I supposed to charge? Are we supposed to run away? Maybe some people run in. Maybe some people will run back. Probably lots of people are just going to stand there being like, what am I supposed to do? I don't, I don't get it. The point is that if you are speaking in front of people, they have to understand the message. They have to understand. If you don't, it's not helpful to the hearer. Obviously, unless there's an interpreter like you mentioned, then it would be okay. But people have to understand what's going on. Verse 9. So with yourselves... If with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. Real communication hinges on understanding. Our goal, when we're gathered together as believers, is to love others and build them up, not confuse them or alienate them. And Paul is hammering this because, unfortunately, the believers in the church in Corinth had raised this gift of speaking in tongues to, like, this superstar, varsity Christian level. Those who did it, they felt super superior, and those who didn't, they desperately wanted to, to raise themselves up. But the point, again, is to raise others up, not to put the attention on yourselves. And so Paul is coming against this mindset saying, we've got to learn to love each other. It's like what he talked about in chapter 13 last week. Um, you can turn there quick if you want, but basically in 13.1, Paul just says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. He's saying if you're speaking in tongues but aren't doing it out of love and no one knows what's going on, you're more of an annoyance. So if you imagine uh, Mike Prisbis, our drummer for today, Mike's super friendly guy. Let's say Mike goes over there, grabs a cymbal, comes up to you, big smile on his face, he's nice. All of a sudden takes it and just starts banging the cymbal. That would get really annoying, right? And two things would probably happen. One, you would either want to run away or you would want to punch Mike in the face, okay? That is what's happening in the church in Corinth. There's chaos and it is causing such division, they were missing the goal, which was to figure out how to love each other and build each other up. Verse 12. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Don't strive after something that brings attention to yourself. Instead, strive after the gifts of the Spirit that will bless others. In 13. Um, 13, 14, and 15, he basically just goes on with this thing. He's like, if, I'm gonna, if you're going to speak in a tongue, pray that you can interpret. If you're going to sing in a tongue, pray that you can interpret what, you're being, what is being said. And again, it's so that others would know. But I also think it's interesting that here, the way that Paul talks about tongues, he implies that people are totally in control of what they are doing. It's not like some weird body trance, weird creepy thing maybe you've seen um, in movies or whatever. If that's happening, I would definitely say that is not of God because, as we're going to read later today, God is a God of order, not chaos. God is a God of peace. So again, if you're speaking in tongues, you better pray that you can interpret it so that everyone else would know what's going on. 16. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. The word outsider, in what I just read, what it actually refers to is it means someone without the gift. So it's someone who does not understand what you're saying and they can't comprehend. How is that person going to say amen with you? And it's important that they do. Here's what he's getting at. He's talking about corporate prayer. So at RCC, when a worship leader prays, or Anthony prays in a message, or James, or Maris, or Michelle, and when they are praying, all of us who are not like, actually vocally praying... We're not just like inactive. We are supposed to be active, praying along with them, saying, yes, I want you to do that at our church. I want you to do that in us so that when they are done, we can all say amen, which does not mean the end. It means yes, so be it. Let it be done. I agree with that prayer. God, do it in the name of Jesus. But if someone is praying in a tongue and it doesn't make any sense, you know, he says they might be giving thanks, but no one knows. It's actually limiting the church from one of, its, um, one of the things they're called to do, which is pray together corporately as one before the Lord. And when someone is praying in tongues and no one knows what's going on, you can't actually do that. Verse 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others in 10,000 words in a tongue. So here, it does seem again that he's shining a positive light on this gift. He's saying, I thank God for this gift. But again, there's this important distinction. In the church, I'd rather speak five words that make sense than 10,000 and no one be built up or encouraged because the goal is love. How do you best love your brothers and sisters in Christ? And I think this too is a reference to what was going on in Corinth. Believers wanted to speak in tongues because it made them feel privileged or it made him feel special, or like a more mature Christian, when in fact that attitude revealed a great depth of immaturity. So look at verse 20. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. We all have been around little kids. Many of you have little kids right now. If you think about a little child, They think that everyone else around them is there to serve them, that they are the most important person in the world, and that everything revolves around them. That is immature thinking. The opposite is mature thinking, which is recognizing that I am not the most important person in this world. This world does not revolve around me. There are other people here, and I can look towards their needs. That is it. So you got to catch this. This is super important. Christian maturity is not based on speaking in tongues or prophecy or healing or doing these incredible works for God. That does not equal Christian maturity. As someone um, I heard once said, it's always stuck with me, they said Christian maturity is based on the depth of one's love. So, you know, again, like you could speak in the tongues of angels, but if you don't love and no one knows what you're talking about, it's nothing. If you want to grow in maturity as a believer, Grow in your love for God and his people. So what I want to do now for the sake of time is jump down to verse 26 because then he kind of like lays out the practicals. What does this look like within a church? So verse 26. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Like he's been saying this whole time. If any speak in a tongue, let there only be two or three... 2, or at most 3, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, this is important, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what was said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. And so what I want to do is just kind of pull out some, some practical uh, things that he's saying there. First, like we've heard this entire message, let all things be done for building up others. It's just he keeps saying that. Then he, he doesn't forbid the speaking of tongues. Actually, at the end of the chapter, he says, do not forbid the speaking of tongues. But what he points out is that if there's no interpreter, We've got to be silent in church because it's going to do more harm. It's going to confuse people, and people will not be built up. The third thing, he talks about the spirit of the prophets or subject to the prophets. It's, again, that if that gift is really from God, people are in control of how and when they want to use it. It's not some weird, crazy mess where people are out of their minds but there's order, because the last point is that God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. He's not a God, a God of, he's not a God of chaos, but of order. And I've seen tiny glimpses of how this is handled correctly, but unfortunately, I've seen many more of how this is not handled correctly at all. And just at the end here, I want to tell you a story where this did not go well. So I was working in campus ministry at this point, point. My cousin, who has an absolutely incredible voice, she calls me and says, hey, Tony, i am going to sing at this church. You know, why don't you bring some college students down and um, you know, we, can, we can get together? And I said, oh, great, like, I'll be there. So I load up uh, the college students. We drive a couple hours away. It's in like, this neighborhood where it's like house, 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 church that used to be house. And that's, that's where it's at. So we go in there and it's like they've knocked out the, the walls of this house and they've got like seven pews on each side and an aisle down the middle. So in the beginning, everything started out great. My cousin, like God-given, beautiful voice. She sings, it's incredible. And there's not like a ton of people there. So the guy's like, hey, you're a worship leader, right? Why don't you come up and sing a little something? So I ended up playing a song or two. I mean, it was fine until this like evangelist, speaker, whatever guy comes in. And so this is what he does. His first thing is he says, I'm going to do a prophetic act where I put oil on my hands to signify the anointing of the Holy Spirit that will fall in this place when I speak. Little did he know, they didn't have a headset mic or a mic in a stand. They only had a handheld mic, and the man could not hold it because his hands were so oily. Okay? So, unfortunately, he had to take a towel and wipe off the prophetic anointing that was going to happen, and then he held on to the microphone. So I'm thinking okay. <laughs> like I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. So then he, he starts preaching out of the Bible, and I'm trying to follow him, and it's just not making sense. And my first reaction was like, there's got to be something wrong with me. So like, God, you know, do I have any unconfessed sin in my life? Like, why is this not making sense? And so I pray about it for a minute, and I'm like, no, I'm good with God. And and then I was like, you work in a church. You read the Bible every day. If this doesn't make any sense, there's probably a problem to that. So then I just close my Bible and I sit there in the back and I'm just going to be polite until it ends. At the very end, you know, the worship team is playing. He's like, Everybody speak speaking tongues. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on here? And it's crazy. And everyone's like lost in their own world and it's going nuts. And then um, like he's directing people over here and he's directing people over here, and this church is not like very big, right? So maybe like me to Mike back there, and he kind of like catches my eye, and you know he's looking at me, and I'm just standing there like this, you know? I'm like, well, let's just get this over with, cut kind a of deal. And so he's going and he's like, just looks at me, and then this is what he literally what he does. He goes, <laughs> and I'm like, no. I'm not going to do that. And, he's, and then he like does it again. He's like, you, come up here. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> I'm good. You do your thing. Then he walks down the middle of the aisle, and he walks right next to me, and he's still talking in the microphone. And he's like, man, you just got to be open to the spirit. Just let go. Just go for it, man. Don't be afraid. And I'm like, I don't want to go up there. <laughs> and he's like, you just got to be open. finally, I'm like, hey, can you put the microphone down? And can we talk in the back? And He like rolls his eyes at me, sticks the microphone under his armpit, and he like huffs off to the back of this place. So then we're in the back, and he's like, you've got to be open to the Holy Spirit, man. You just got to let go. Don't be afraid. And then I'm not like a super in-your-face confrontational person, but in that moment, I was like, nothing that you have said has been of God since the moment that you started. This is not God. You are not of God. Everything that you're doing does not line up with this, and I'm not going to listen to it. This is not right. And he just kind of looked at me. He's like, okay, Holy Spirit's a gentleman. That's all he said. And he walked away. And I think what he was getting at is like, if you don't want what the Holy Spirit's offering, he's not going to make you take it. And then he just walked away. And I go back, and I look at these college students. They're all freaking out anyway. So I'm like, guys, we got to get out of here. So we go in the van. I'm like, I'm so sorry that I brought you. We're praying over ourselves. Like, God, protect us from that. God, protect those other people that are in there. And it was, it was a rough experience. I want to share those, that story, too, because in the beginning, I shared about how, yes, I absolutely do believe that God can do incredible, miraculous things but it has to be done in the way that God ordered it. I mean, the passage that we read is very orderly. It's very systematic. It's not crazy. And what they were doing there, people were just going off speaking in tongues. There was not an interpreter, which is standing exactly against what he's saying here. And most importantly, there was no love. There was no love. This guy, he's older than me, whatever, been a pastor for whatever time. He was trying to control me and make me do things that I did not want to do. That is not love and that is not God at all. What we've learned is totally different than that experience. So, what do we take away from today? This is what I want to challenge you with. One, pursue love, a God self sacrificial love where it is not about you. Pursue building others up. Two, Be open, like come before God and say, God, whatever you want in my life, I want that for me. Whatever you want to do with my life, I want that for me. I don't want to compare myself to someone else. I don't want to think about what I don't have. I just want whatever you want and I want to be faithful with it and I want to glorify you. That's the heart we have to have. And next, we've got to be in the word of God. It is so easy to go way off into craziness if we're not grounded in what this says. And so we also have to have a humble heart about it you know today i bring you everything that i've said very humbly and if you want to talk about it if you want to sit down with me i would value that i would say let's have coffee and let's talk about these scriptures but we have to be in the word of god and so really this week i love to challenge you to read in acts chapter 2 That's where the Holy Spirit falls. That's where they talk about tongues. There's seven or eight, uh, I think seven other times throughout the book of Acts where they mention speaking in tongues. It's also mentioned at the end of the book of Mark. And so I would encourage you to read those passages and just be like, God, whatever you want to do in my life, I want that. Because we are here to love God and to love people. And so we want to be grounded in the scripture and we want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my heart for a church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I do, I want to glorify you with my life and with the lives of all those that are gathered here at Riverview. God, I pray that we are a church that is in your word, that is wrestling through your truth. And God, I know that there are things about you that I don't fully understand, but just teach us. God, we want to know you. You say, draw near to God, He will draw near to you. Lord, we want to experience you. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to be locked into your word and then walking in the full power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, lead us. um, Lead us. We are your church. Do what you want in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.